Transformers Chronicles, The Marvel Years. Hello and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. I am Delvin, a.k.a. The Dark Web. And in case you're new to the show, welcome. And let me tell you what this thing is all about. We're going for a wild, crazy ride, chronicling the awesome, wacky, and yeah, sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, The Transformers. But I will never be going at it alone. First up, we have the founder of the Longbox Crusade, the relative novice to the Transformers world, the seeker of the Matrix matrix of knowledge his name is pat sampson aka dj christatos welcome to the show pat hey delvin uh good to be here i think last time around you had my brother was here so yes hopefully he wasn't a bad guy i you know no we made him head on himself He's the leader of us now. Yes. Oh, okay. He was so great. Wow. He was not too bad, Pat. Uh, In fact, he shared many similarities to you, like almost identical. Almost, (laughs) yeah, except for how we pronounce our names. Yes, yes. But it's good to have you back, Pat, with one T. It was hard for me to not stutter over the two T's part. But we made it through last episode. It's okay. And it's good to have you back. And we will move forward. Let's see if I can do this without the script. I don't feel like looking at the script right now. So let's see if I can do this without the script. I've done this 38 times, not counting this episode. So let's see if I can do it without the script. We're going to go to the lesser half of married watching cartoons and any MWC related podcast. Uh, He is the provider of knowledge to the show. His name is Jonathan Schaefer. Hames, welcome to the show, John. Hello, Delvin. Uh, Pat stole my good head on my shoulders joke I was going to make, so I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going, Delvin? It's good to be here. All kinds of changes since last time. I like the new semester started. I started a new job at the library, at the school, learning all kinds of library stuff. Yeah. On hands. Uh, knowledge. I, I did want to kind of put you on a spot a little bit. Oh, good. And that's only to like, I mean, you are going to have a rich and rewarding career as a librarian. I appreciate the hard work that you're putting into that. Libraries are awesome resources. I grew up like practically living in one as a kid and have much uh, gratitude towards them. Tell us something about a library that the average person might not know. Um, Let's see. Just a simple one. It's like it's no longer in general. uh, You're no longer required to remain quiet at all times in libraries. This is something that people uh, really bring to the library now as a holdover and think that they're these like very quiet places, but not anymore. There's actually a lot more conversation and, you know, activities going on with noises and stuff. It's very funny when someone who thinks that it's still the old way comes in and their kid is being, you know, a kid and they're like, yeah. Shh, and they look to us for approval. We're like, nah, your kid's fine. Yeah. No old lady. Those days are over. <laughs> I'm sure no, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm learning a lot. Uh, the classes I'm taking this semester are pretty great too. We're uh, learning a lot about the ethics that goes into a uh, learn, little working in a library. There's a lot of interesting debates <laughs> it, uh, 
in class, which you know brings me back. It's been a minute or two since I've been in college before, and it's always it's refreshing to be uh, to be able to engage in a debate in a um, structured and civilized way rather than what passes you know for debates on online. It reminds me of on this show, actually, you know, where we can disagree and talk about things and just walk away, you know, as friends. Well, maybe no, not I'm, Pat, but I'm, you know. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, that was Pat Titsen. Like, oh, right. Pat is completely agreeable. Yeah. Pat Titsen yeah, yeah. is not very, as, as much. No, easily offended. Yeah, yeah, okay. Easily offended that Pat Titsen. We probably won't be seeing him much anymore, but let's move on uh, to the greater half of Mary watching cartoons and other MWC-related content. Her name is Maggie Schaefer Hames. Welcome to the show, Maggie. Hello. Hi. So <laughs> <laughs> <are> you get. <laughs> Hi. No, of course not. You, you know I can draw more out of you than that, and I already have a question prepared for you. <laughs> you for have it. let us know the last two episodes about what's been going on with your dressage, yeah, your preparation for that. So, yep. like by all means, if you have nothing else, please tell us about that. All right. So. There has been, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is that I had my very first actual lesson yesterday and I came home smiling and never didn't stop. Um, I had such a good time. It was so much fun and I, I really enjoyed it. I got to, so there's the <laughs> cantering is a thing. A canter is the third gear, if you will, that a horse has. So it goes walk trot and then canter and a canter you can kind of think of as like a slow gallop basically and that's what i was trying to accomplish way back when when i was 16 uh on an unfamiliar horse in an unfamiliar area and i got thrown into the side of a house and landed on my arm and splintered my elbow and broke my wrist in two spots so it's been kind of like this point of trauma in my head but the gal who's teaching me is like well you need to know how to do it because what happens if the horse does spook you need to know what you're doing she's like it's a safety thing and not only that it's not a big deal so she had me do it and she turned it into such a small deal that i just i was beaming I'm like, i can't believe it over 10 years since i've last done that and it was just great i had such a good time the bad news is that the horse that i am due to show on in may colicked on friday night and colic is, it's, a, it's kind of a general term for any sort of severe gastrointestinal distress that a horse experiences. So horses can't throw up. So if they get something stuck in their intestines, it's stuck there. And in the worst cases, sometimes because they're in pain, they'll lay down and they'll roll and then their intestines twist. And that's a really good way to lose your horse. Um, and he's 25. He's an old, he's a veteran horse. He's a pure champ, but it was pretty bad. So he's kind of recovering from that right now, and he's a little delicate, so we're going to kind of see how things go. I'm, I'm due to go back out to the barn that he's at in a couple days, um, and hopefully I will still be able to, to ride because the vet says exercise is good for him, but we don't want to, of course, do too much because um, we certainly don't want to make anything worse for him. So that was pretty scary. His his owners were pretty sure that they were going to lose him on Friday. And he bounced back. He he laid down. He fell down. But then he got back up again a couple minutes later. And he was very grouchy the last time I saw him because he was sick and tired of being a patient. And he wanted to go see his friends. So, so yeah, good news, bad news. That's kind of the world of, of horses. It 
you know, things happen. You know, I had a joke ready about, you know, like, yes, you canter. But, you know, I was like, man, there's not really a place for it. But but you can assume after the show that I had a joke about it. And it was very, very funny. Uh, Yeah. I have have nothing exciting going on in my life. If I did, I I would tell you guys about it other than this podcast that we're about to do. And even though I didn't mean that as a transition, you know, I'll take it nonetheless. The purpose of this podcast will be tackling all of Marvel's Transformers comics in order, starting with issue one and working our way to the series end at issue 80. We will answer any questions that are brought up to the best of our ability and see how these books we loved then as a kid hold up to our our eyes as an adult now. This podcast is guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. So Pat, one T, John, Maggie, let's see what happened with Buster Witwicky and what happens when Spike catches up to him. After the promo break. The Transformers will return after these messages. We got it all together for a brand new show. The LBC crew is here and so away we go. While the LBC crew is running from a spooky ghost, Christatos is doing what he does the most. Hey, come on, get involved to the mystery is solved. Hang around with the LBC crew. Oh, <laughs> Hey, come on, get involved to the mystery is solved. Hang around with the LBC crew. That's the podcast. LBC crew. We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we'll be covering today is Transformers issue 39. And here is John with a completely prepared cover description. Okay. Fortress Maximus uh, fills out the cover bot tearing off his head as is his fashion uh the more than meets the eye is in white and the transformers logo is also white with a cool metallic blue trim and the action on the cover takes place in space as we see the aforementioned (laughs) we see the aforementioned fortress maximus uh being the victim of what seems to be a some sort of projectile that is launching itself and carrying itself right through him where he kind of seems to be exploding into Kirby dots. And uh, judging by the look on his face, he does not appear to be a fan of what has happened. Who does appear to be a fan of of what's happening is Shockwave, who is flying up to the, in the lower right of it with his arms up in the air as if saying, hell yeah. The missile itself seems to be coming from some sort of rocket ship with a giant glass dome, which contains a couple of what look like palm trees. Some, uh, basically, it looks like an island, and which contains a little bitty human inside who is looking up and wondering why he is not being sucked out of the big opening, which is which is firing out the missile. Science. Um. There is a star-filled background, and uh, Earth is shown, and the atmosphere is depicted in blue, and that is the cover of issue 39. Oh, also, the uh, 
in yellow letters, it, it explains to us what's going on, which is Fort Max gets the shaft. We're going to move it to Pat. Pat can tell us what he thinks about the cover. I like it. I think the kind of starry background is really cool to look at. Um, just the depiction of Fort Max getting the shaft. Don't want somebody to ask me, what you talking about? What you talking about the shaft? He's a bad mother. Shut your mouth, John. Can you dig it? I can dig it, Pat. Yes. All right. Thank you. Keep going. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think it's really cool. You see the little earth in this little rockety kind of a, you know, it's kind of like a snow globey kind of look to it. If you shake, shook that up, it'd be kind of interesting to see, but yeah. And it's just, I think it's really great looking cover. All the colors are really pop out on this one. Let's go to our second novice of sorts. Anyway, Maggie, what do you think about the cover? I think it's neat as heck. I think it's really cool. I like the e- easy on the swear words, but keep going. <laughs> Ladies don't talk like that. So I think it's really cool. I, I also like the starscape. I think that's pretty neat. Um, I think the scale is about, is about right. I love the itty bitty teeny tiny buster. Um, I think that it's very dramatic, like Fort Max. It, I just, I think it's really well done, and I kind of do like. <laughs> it sort of looks like he's go- shockwave. Hell yeah, you know. <laughs> like, like, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a really good cover. I think it's awesome. It's actually, it's the first cover I feel like in a while that I've really liked. But as soon as I saw it when John showed me the issue today, I was like, hey, that's neat. I like that. That's pretty cool. John, go for it. Uh, I like it too. I, for whatever reason, I didn't like it at first, uh, but the more I looked at it, the more I liked it. There just there seemed to be something weird about the scale at, to me. But the more I look at it, the more that seems all right. I think I was having some like mental juxtaposition problems that this, as Maggie was saying, um, it is two panels from the issue inside, kind of crammed together. A couple of them even look like like the shockwave one. Sort of looks like he was literally cut and pasted right right from it but all that aside uh just the the other the other uh details on it really really make it come out i love the explosion of kirby dots coming out of him i love just the look of pain on his face shockwaves it i know it's supposed to be he's kind of like flying up like superman but it does look like he's going yay Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i like the itty bitty buster inside of the thing so yeah i like this what'd you think about it dalvin I like it as well, and I wish that you guys could see the comic book that I have of it. This might be the original freaking comic book that I had from, like, however freaking many years ago, because when I opened it up, the first thing I noticed is that the pages at the bottom were bent. (laughs) And I'm like, I would not have a comic book like that today for any reason. Unless it were a Silver Age Amazing Spider-Man that I wanted for cheap. Uh, but yeah, it, this is a really good cover. And man, they have not been afraid to put Fort Max through the paces. And you look and, I mean, he has a missile, projectile, javelin, whatever it is you want to call it. Something's going through his body and it's not Energon. So he's not very happy about it. And then you, he's got to deal with Shockwave on top of it. So, yeah, none of that seems good for the hero of the book or the hero of the cover here. And all of the cover, all of the colors seem to be complementary as well. Uh, the blue and white Transformers logo works very well, uh, along with the Marvel 
uh, logo along with Fort Max. Uh, both of them just is, you know, his head little version and then uh, the version of his full body on the cover. So lots of stuff to like about this issue or this cover. So yeah, let's rate it. We will rate this on a scale of one to 10, just like the tech specs of old one being the lowest, 10 being the highest. And we'll start with Maggie for this one. Maggie, what would you rate uh, this cover? You know, I was just sitting here thinking like, is there any, do I have any reason to give this cover a nine instead of a 10? And I really kind of don't think I do. I really like it. I think it's very cool. So I'm going to go ahead and give it full marks. 10 out of 10. Love it. Love that positivity. You know what? I'll go second. And what the heck? I'll, I think I'll match your 10 because it it says something to me and it should say something to anyone if I remember what the cover was going to be to Transformers 39, 30 some odd plus years later. That should speak very highly of what the cover is itself. I mean, yep, I of course appreciate the full run of Transformers, but I can't remember what every cover looks like. But I do remember 39 and I remember for a reason and it struck out. Jose Delbo hit a home run with this one. So I'll give it a 10 too. Uh, what do you think, Pat? I want to give it a nine, but I think this one is, like Maggie said, you know, it's neat. And it's fun. It's just fun looking to look at. So I'm going, I'm meeting you guys at the 10 as well. I honestly didn't know whether or not we were going to get such overwhelming positivity like we have, but I love it. Uh, John, are you going to join us here with the 10? You don't have to. There's no pressure. No, I was, (laughs) I was looking, I was going to say an eight at first, but the more I have been looking at this and listening to you people, I'm really saying this you people you people <laughs> you folks my great friends here that i do this with uh the more i've been listening to you guys it's i think it's a 10 this is an iconic uh one this iconic cover this is probably in the top 10 of all of them that i can remember i mean this was as i think i mentioned last time i i did i, I have not read this one before before uh, for this episode but i do remember this cover and it's a 10 cool beans fantastic that's awesome and i I, we haven't i can't think of the last time we rated a cover all tens except maybe the shockwave cover from transformers issue five probably so uh, yeah there's something about shockwave that uh brings out the tens in the transformer chronicles crew nothing wrong with that appreciate that guys And here's Pat with the credits for the issue. All right. We have Transformers number 39. Its on-sale date was December 29th, 1987. Cover date is April of 1988. Cover price is just $1. Story goes to Bob Budiansky. Pencils go to Jose Delbo. Inks, Dave Hunt. Colors, Neil Yamtov. Letters, Bill Oakley. Editor is Don Daly, and cover credits go to Jose Delbo again. And this is all brought to you by Mike's Amazing World and tfwiki.net. Back to you, Delvin. Sweet. Thanks, Pat. Now it's time for the synopsis. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world. The Transformers. More, More than, than me, see. 
Title of this issue was The Desert Island of Space. What happened to Buster? Well, folks, I'm glad you asked. Ratbat, per order of Shockwave, brought him back to a Caribbean island. Why, you ask? Because Shockwave, if nothing else, is super smart and knows that there's a human life in the vicinity. The military can't invade the island with guns ablazing, but it doesn't stop the military and the III, Intelligence and Information Institute, if you forgot, from tracking the Decepticons to said Caribbean island, which eventually leads Spike Witwicky to intercepting transmissions that leads the Autobot Headmaster and Target Master contingency, who are, let's say, reluctant to follow Spike slash Fortress Maximus to said Caribbean island too. Fort Max is ready to attack, but Cup asked him to let the rest of the team handle it because Fort Max Spike might be emotionally compromised. The Autobots do not fare well, and surprise D-Heads, it's not really an island, it's a rocket. It's a rocket that Fortress Maximus is lagging down with his enormous self hanging onto it outside as he jumped aboard just as the rocket was leaving Earth. Shockwave does a great job of forcing Fort Max down to size, but Spike saves the day by blasting out Shockwave's rockets, forcing Shockwave to crash back towards the Earth, but the Decepticon rocket escapes, with Buster still on the rocket. So let's talk about the book. Now, Transformers Chronicles, we take turns bringing up something from the comic, starting with but not living it, two goods and bads, and everyone discusses. And Pat has something to say about this book. I just know it. He, he has that, I, I have something to say look in his, in his eye right there. So <laughs> go for it, Pat. This one was interesting. I was looking for some continuation from where things left off before. And it, it kind of did. But it also left me kind of hanging at the end of it as well, too, with it just as it goes through everything that happens. And as you mentioned, right at the end, you know, Buster is still in this rocket going somewhere. But at the end of it, they have the end. So it's like, are we going to find out what happens to him? No, he's dead. (laughs) It it is a reasonable assumption that they're going to continue this storyline. And by the end, they only meant the end of issue 39 okay there's more to come there's a lot more to come actually yeah, there, i didn't there's a, i didn't really look ahead so i would just me neither that, i have not read 40 I'm, I'm i'm taking them one by one but rest assured pat there is more to come on this um whole storyline because i usually do my wrap up at the end but a couple of things or one main thing to mention would be that if you are paying attention to all the players on the scorecard, the vast majority of Autobots and Decepticons are out in space near Mm. Earth orbit. Yes. Yep. Maybe something's going to be done with that. Maybe not. That's true. I forgot about the other ones that are out there that could Uh, be out there. Can't forget, Pat. It's very important to this story. Let's go to John. John, what do you have? High, low, something else? Uh, I'm going to start uh, with a correction of something that I said a couple of issues ago, because as a good Transformers expert, I um, act and adjust to new information that I've received. I had said before about the throttle bots when they had been put into you know, the, the toy cars that we never see them again. Well, 
clearly we do see them again uh, because I had not read this one before, but it did spark my memory that we do see the throttle bots again at some point in their true throttle bot glory uh, in issue 50, where I don't remember what happens in that one, but I'm sure they will be amazing. Some of mm. you at home are laughing a lot. Right now. <laughs> mm. I'm clear. I'm clearing my throat. Yeah, uh, and we will. We will say nothing uh, to Pat Maggie about that. Uh, it takes a brave man to admit when he was wrong. So I congratulate you on that, and, yeah, and I give to you. I give you. An, <laughs> I give you an extra turn if, if there's anything else that you want to add about the book. Okay, I do like that um, they finally um, also explained to me and cleared up my big nagging problem of how the heck this binary bonding works. I like that too. That that mm-hmm. they really have explained that I guess the former Fortress Maximus no longer exists, basically. And it's just, in this case, Spike merging with the memory engrams, which is a word for... Uh, the way we bring back a dead thing in a comic book, mm-hmm. um, mixing up with him, creating kind of this new being. So I don't know if Fort Max is still chilling back on Nebulos on the shelf and they're having a, you know, playing I Spy with my little eye, something that stands, starts with the letter W. Wall. Okay. You know, okay. <laughs> but, or not, but all of these headmasters are basically, you know, just greater versions of the humans or nebulin that's running them, but they still manage to, they kind of merge their personalities to make these new beings. And I thought that's kind of interesting. It's messed up, but at least I understand how it's messed up now. <laughs> All right. Yeah. The whole idea is interesting. That's for sure. And I would be more inclined to think more about it as an adult than I was would as a kid. Right. But at the same time, you know, since, you know, I'm nothing but a older kid <laughs> in a real sense, I'm more than willing to take that explanation as a kid that I thought and I was willing to completely excuse and continue to excuse it now uh, just to go past it. Because, yeah, if you actually thought about it, like, my goodness, those those could be some bored human beings slash nebulons where I was like, can I, can I have a night off? Can I go get some beer? No, you're going to be my gun. <laughs> 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 Wait yeah, meet so the power I, masters. Oh, mm. More of them. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh Maggie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Setting up for my, my my dear lady. You're you're just getting just you're you're about hip deep now. Like you're you're going to get in over your head. Perhaps yeah. all I can say is that I hope you don't hate pretenders like I do because I love that band. Okay, then you're then you're fine. <laughs> Maggie, go yeah. for it. What do you have about this to say about this issue? Well, I I like that this is one of the few, if not only times, that we see Shockwave like cracking wise, where he's vaporizing fish for Buster, who I'm now I'm mm-hmm. going to interchange Buster and Spike. I know I'm going to do it. I'm going to try real hard not to. But he he just like boils some fish in the ocean and then drops them on his lap. And I I, I hope you like your fuel poached. He says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought That's that was actually great. pretty funny. He, he <laughs> like, what? He took the time to and, Yeah, like that means that he knows what poached is. So. And if you think about it, he is presenting a healthier food option than Megatron did to Robot Master. Megatron just threw some candy bars at him and said, eat these and shut up. Can <laughs> <laughs> he pick up like a whole vending machine? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. That was great. Yeah, in this case, at least Buster has, like, I mean, it's not seasoned or anything, but at least it's fish. It's healthy. There's, you know, fish oil is good for the skin, this protein. Um, Yeah, I I thought that was really funny. (laughs) Like, of all the things. I mean, Buster, first of all, wakes up and says, you're blocking my rays. And it's like, sir, you were not just sunbathing. You were unconscious, but okay. (laughs) And then Shockwave responds with being very snarky right back at him. And I thought that was funny. There also was a little bit of debate going on between Shockwave and Ratbat there. It seemed like Ratbat had a lot of lip for Shockwave at every decision that Shockwave made. So yeah. uh, there was that going on, too. Yeah. Well, I feel and like Sha- Ratbat historically always feels like he should be in charge of everything. Yeah. Were you going to say, Pat? <laughs> I was going to say, Shockwave was giving it right back to him, too. Um, yeah. You know, they were calling. He tried to, Ratbat tried to call him out, but Shockwave would call him out, too, on his ideas like well you're the one that brought him here (laughs) (laughs) i tell you what if if nothing else shockwave has good plans like you know we could say he's cold calculating evil but i mean the man makes sense when it comes to his plans so i i give him that much credit you know what i would say i would say you're right he does have good plans and if it was just him going through with it it's the others around him that mess it all up for him. Mm-hmm. Especially if you ask I'm him. I'm sure he would agree. Yeah. Like between the covers, between the covers and, and, and our support for him now, we are all parts of uh, the shockwave support system here. It's kind of cool. Let's go back to John. John, what else do you have to add about the issue? What do I have? I was just to tag on with what Pat was saying. I, I do love the um the bickering between Ratbat and Shockwave throughout the entire thing. When I was a kid, I hated Rat Bat, I hated the concept that this, what is basically one of Soundwave's tapes was given like this much authority and, and prestige and importance. But this time through, he is one of my favorite characters. I love his actual just nitpicking obsession with with the fuel costs and how he's just needling everybody on it. Although if he is mm-hmm. so concerned about energy expenditure, why is he hovering all the time? That's got to cost a little bit. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like it looks silly. It looks silly to see a bat just like walking around all the time. Rat. On those tiny little feet. Yeah. Little evil toes, but still. All right. Let's see. I, well, you know what? Let me give it to Pat. I, I have a question that that's forming at the edge of my brain here, but I, I want to see if uh, either of, you three pick up on it yet pat what do you have next there was a lot kind of going on in this book not only with you know the different characters but we had some re-occurring characters come back through that we haven't seen in a little bit i liked the nice callbacks that they did the editors did to say well this happened in you know issue 37 and Mm -hmm. now we're getting back to it and you know spike explaining that as he was, you know, kind of going, he goes from him to Cerebros to then to Fort Max and just how he explains that to um, Sparkplug was neat to see and helped me understand it a little bit more. And what I liked about that is they give you that beginning on how he come becomes, you know, the three become one, so to say. Mm-hmm. And then what happens later on in the story, you see the breakdown where, you know, first Fort Max gets hit and then something happens to Cerebros. And now, now it's just, you know, it's just him alone outside of the dome 
Yeah. Uh, they did that a little bit last issue, too, where they shrunk them down to size, except it wasn't in as drastic of a manner. Uh, they Scorponok crawled through like a little smaller space that Fort Max could make it through. So he turned into yeah. Cere- Cerebros uh, instead. And then he had to shrink down uh, to, in this case, it was Galen at the time uh, and not Spike. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it provided a little bit of uh, detail. I did find it funny when they were outside the hotel and Cup was kind of like, come on, dude, we got to go. And he's like, I'm not done my introductions yet. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost like making a little bit of fun of how the Transformers have to introduce themselves yeah, at like every right. point at every time. Yeah, so I did find that a little bit funny. But... <laughs> It seems like Cup had an issue with Fort Max because they they kind of gave him like a really big battlefield promotion, not Fort Max, but Spike. They're like, all right, dude, well, Galen's dead, so guess you're our leader. And it seemed like everything was copacetic. They were okay with it at the end of 38, but it didn't seem that way going into issue 39. I did it. No, not at all. No. Well, the headmasters seem to be okay with it, but then once they got back, the target master was like, now, wait, you did what? <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> yeah, they did not trust Spike. I mean, they went through the process of doing the whole binary bond and whatnot, but they did not trust him, and they thought that his human emotions were going to cost them really big uh, in the war. Like, somewhat so that they left their biggest, largest, strongest gun on board the ship while the rest of the Autobots went to invade this uh, fake Caribbean island. Uh, so I thought that was that was interesting. They just didn't quite trust them for whatever reason. But that did seem to resolve itself at the end of the issue. I, I agree with you on that. It's like Cup kind of has to fill the role. Cup especially is the one, as you were saying, who is uh, the voice of people who would doubt this in any case. Like anytime in a comic book, there's a situation where somebody takes over for, you know, takes on the mantle of someone, you know, whether it's John Walker, Captain America, or, you know, Azrael for Batman or Fred seven and GI and as for Cobra commander, uh, there's always the issue that they have to show them in action, uh, proving themselves basically both to the characters in the book and to more importantly to the audience, because they don't want to lose, to lose any readers over over this and especially in the case of popular characters being replaced now in this case i don't think there were too many like hardcore galen fans who were like right. you know, up in arms over the fact that, that this new guy spike wiki was taking over but still it goes through those motions and they show kind of cup uh, voicing those concerns that that a lot of times readers do i was going to just say although it does seem weird that their chain of command is to the point that cups like all right well we put you through that and you're all ready to go but now you don't get to but aren't you your leader no you don't get to we're going that's no. what you get for making us hang around that hotel <laughs> <laughs> now now i do i give I, I kind of least understood that where cup was like well hey i am a little bit more experienced here and he did give at least a plausible enough reason that Fort Max might want to hang back. It's like, dude, you might be a little bit compromised. Let us go find your brother and we'll take care of the issue uh, from there. So I, I did kind of get that. And while overall, like, I don't think anyone reading Transformers to this point would be upset about Fort Max 
potentially taking any place of a leader or anything because right now the Autobots don't really have a leader. Heck, I mean, they're not really even there as a team right now. Like, they're kind of split off. You had this headmaster, target master faction that came in, and they haven't met the other Autobots yet. And even the Autobots, the last that we saw the Autobots, the Dinobots were surrounding Blaster and the kids and Daisy, and none of them were particularly happy with Grimlock being the leader. So if anything, maybe they were establishing Fort Max as a potential leader to the Autobots. Um, And that was maybe the point of this issue more than anything else. Maggie hadn't heard from you in a while. What do you think about that? One of the things that I was kind of thinking about with this whole Spike taking over thing was that there, there was more, I feel like, drama or tension when Grimlock took over. And then this dude just walks in on his day home from college and suddenly he's the leader of this faction and Fort Max. Well, I guess, cause I have such a different idea of Fortress Maximus from the IDW books, but I feel like mm-hmm. he probably would have made a very good leader. And I think it's fair to say that they were probably setting him up as like a potential. Um, and Spike is clearly in these two issues showing kind of classic hero type tendencies putting himself Mm -hmm. in danger in order to save his brother, including flying out into space and surviving somehow. Um, So yeah, I, yeah, it's interesting. I think it's, I I don't know. I get hung up on the headmaster thing, but Fort Max as a character, because in this book, then they go in more detail with like the personality is merging and things. So it's hard to say, isn't it? Like, cause Fort Max almost doesn't have his own personality. So is he even making his own decisions or is it all the person that's controlling Cerebros? Wow. You see, I thought I had it before and now I'm confused again. <laughs> I'm telling you. No, I see, um, I think, I, I can, Pat, go for it. I was going to say, I think that because of the combination, I think once he becomes the body, once Cerebros becomes the body, then I think some of more of Fort Max's takes over you know what i mean where you get more of his memories his his battleship his his fighting prowess you know than what spike would have yeah which raises the question of why cup was so concerned if that's the case maybe he didn't quite get understand it because cup isn't a headmaster he's a target master so maybe he didn't doesn't quite know or maybe he was worried about which side would take over though. I I can understand that because he was, he did refer to spark plug as father. That's what I was about to point out is that when he leaves, he does refer to spark plug as father or he calls them both. I think he says, Mr. Witwicky. And then he says father. Yeah. So there's, there's yeah, there's a melding of both. I think. And right now, which one is taking over? I guess it all depends on what they need for the story. (laughs) (laughs) I, I agree with you, Pat. Uh, that it's a melding. And if you guys remember the Headmaster series, Lord Zarak, who he wasn't like just standalone. He wasn't the greatest guy, even though he was just more of a rabble rouser manipulator mm-hmm. type guy. Yeah. But then merged with Scorponox personality and Scorponox just like, nope, like there is no melding here. I am taking over your personality. Your mm-hmm. personality is mine now. And that's what happened. Matter that was kind of what happened over the four issues where you saw Zarak be completely corrupted by Scorpion. 
In this case, since Fort Max is more of a peace-loving Autobot, then with the opportunity to combine with someone like first Galen and then fight, it's possible that there's more of a dialogue going on in that discussion where, yeah, Yeah. maybe at one time it would be Fort Max and then maybe at another time it would be Spike. And to continue, I can understand why Cup would be a little bit trepidatious about the whole thing because Spike is not a war veteran at all. He is a somewhere between 18 and 22, 23-year-old college student uh, who was thrust into this. And while he has been shown to have some good instincts, he doesn't really have combat instincts. And I could see why Cup might be worried about the greatest warrior that they have merging with a foolhardy teenager to mm-hmm. 20, mm-hmm. like young 20-year-old person. Yeah. I, I can understand that. I Especially guess since Cup is like 900 million years old. You know, he's old for for the yeah. Autobots. And they did. And I, I, I like that little nod that they gave. Because if you notice, there were three Transformers that were introduced, even though there isn't, they were in the Headmaster series, but into the main series that were from Transformers the movie. You had mm-hmm. Cup, you had Hot Rod, mm-hmm. and you had Blur. And they made a point, at least, not so much a blur, but with, with Cup especially, to make him that old, grizzled veteran. And I yep. appreciated that little touch. Mm-hmm. I love that the Target Masters all have targety names, except for the movie ones. <laughs> you know, you got, like, <laughs> Sure Shot and mm-hmm. whatever. And then, and then, oh, and Hot Rod Cup and Blur. <laughs> <laughs> we need to sell some extra toys, guys. <laughs> you remember them, right, from the movie? Bye, there is that part of it i think we've covered a decent amount of the book i always like talking about those leadership points uh, on both sides of if we can you know the good guys and the bad guys and we've we've talked about that we talked about the power struggle between shockwave and rat bat which seems to have resolved itself for now Uh, i can do one more round of it need be or i could just ask the entire group is there anything that you wanted to bring up or discuss about the book that we haven't yet yes I looked this up. So, in the scene with Sparkplug and Spike, and Spike is standing there in a trench coat looking like he's trying to shoplift a microwave, and (laughs) Sparkplug gets the call from Barnett, and he says, do you know what time it is, Barnett? So I got to thinking, well, what time zone are the Caribbean islands in? Because we know that they're in Washington. The Caribbean islands are only in the eastern time zone. And if you look at the panels before, it's like bright and sunny, like Middle of the day there, mm-hmm. maybe late morning in Washington. I'm just saying it's unnecessary it's, it's fast. 5.30 a.m. in the morning in yeah, Washington. Yeah, it was morning. What? You said it right mm-hmm. in the... Oh, they no, sure did. Never mind. <laughs> no, where did it... Oh, it's, I'm sorry. It's 5.36 a.m. Thank you very much. Yes. But, but then they're still getting that wrong. But also on this, he said that uh, Spike had showed up like a, a few hours before then. So apparently, presumably he shows up at two 30 in the morning at the hotel in his trench coat, which he leaves on the entire time <laughs> <laughs> so that he could dramatically reveal his new binary bonded body body. And then yeah. go outside and show off what your new toy could do. If you can get your mom to buy you this. So that was funny. Take your coat off, son. Stay away. No, I'm good. I Hang on. I got to tap the phone here. I mean, yeah, that's a cool that's trick, though, that, that he was able to tap cool that phone. Trick. You got to love that Nebulon Cybertronian hybrid technology, that is. 
Yeah, you do. That was Maggie's. Pat. I, you know, I was in those notes. I was just kind of happy to see Barnett again. And, you know, just the path that he's taken where now, now he's the one that every, that knows, you know, Hey, the Autobots are, are some good, you know, these are the good guys and Decepticons are the bad guys. And he's starting to win some other, you know, I, I, I people over that he knows. What I he's appreciate talking about. it. I appreciate it. That foresight, even somewhat conceded that, Yes, Barnett, you are right because they're like, yeah, you know, the act you did will have landed you in hot water. I'm like, oh, technically it was treason. <laughs> but uh, I, I, we, we all like Walter Barnett, and I don't want to see any uh, panels of Walter Barnett being led into Leavenworth. Um, so this was a much uh, better and fitting um a continuation of Barnett's story than seeing him land in a clink for sure. And I do like that they were at least able for a little bit to parse the difference between Autobots and Decepticons. We'll see if that comes. I mean, they just figured this out and now the vast majority of Autobots and Decepticons are off planet Earth for now. Good job. I I, I, did it. <laughs> I mean, if I were I, 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 I would be like, yeah, that was, that was us. You know, we, yep. we totally ran them off. He's like, can you stay the hell away? And, and then they did, and they, they got out of there. So I got two little things. What's I the think this, the, the scene where Fort Max uh, does the bit on the that he does on the cover inside where he gets like stabbed with the, the javelin thing, and it talks about how he's screaming silently because you can't hear in space, but he's in pain. This means that when they were putting Spike through the horrific, you know, surgery to turn him into binary bonding head thing, at some point it was like, and now we're going to attach the circuits to make sure that you feel pain, you know, while if you actually get hurt. Wait, you're doing what? Why? Just be quiet. It's something we do. But that doesn't, okay. Shh, it's binary bonding. Shh. <laughs> And the other thing, this weird continuity error, just minor one, in the scene where all the Decepticons are shown around working on the island, you can see it's either Rumble or Frenzy. You can't tell because it's colored washed out, but even if they were colored in, you would there would be an argument about which one was which anyway. Uh, Rumble and Frenzy are both captured on the Ark currently. They were blasted by Omega Supreme, so they're currently um, captured. Oh my! Nice, good catch. That's all I, I got. I, I have I have no way to no prize their way out of that one. No. That that's on y'all Transformers comics from back in 1988. You figure <laughs> that one out. And so with that, now's the time for us to talk about who had the touch, where we talk about which character in the book stood out the most, be it Autobot, Decepticon, or Human. And John, since your mic's on, you can tell us who had the touch to you. I am going to give the touch to Walter Barnett, who had the uh, foresight and wherewithal to, while a a mall two issues ago was being completely destroyed by Predacons, to actually howl back and and gathered up all of the throttle bots that he could besides Bumblebee or Goldbug, (laughs) which had been captured, and uh, stuck them back in his briefcase and presumably got him some of those D batteries that they needed in order to charge themselves up. So that was nice of him. So they didn't wind up just, you know, dying a horrible, quiet death like I had assumed they had all of these years went before I I saw this. So Walter Barnett, you have the touch in my mind. It's nice to see that they had a happy ending and that's going to continue even in issue 50. Pat, who had the touch to you? Boy, it's a 
there's a lot of different ones. I mean, Barnett's a good choice. Um, as I mentioned before, I liked his story here where he becomes, so, you know, someone on the good side in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Boy, who do I want to have the touch here? You know, I guess, uh, boy, you know, I am going to go with, I'm going to go with Shockwave. Just throwing it out there, Shockwave, just because, uh, you know, he had a good plan. It all was going pretty good up until the point to where, you know, he decided to go out and try to get rid of Fort Max that way. But I, I, I think his plan was solid. What he wanted to do, he made this big rocket ship. Just, yeah, I'll go with that. And, and we still don't know why. Are they trying to get back to Cybertron? Why the, did they just want to get the heck out of, off of Earth? We don't know why they built that rocket ship. So yeah, hopefully that's, that's going to be revealed. Like, I mean, they just got this thing, blasted off of Earth. But why? We don't know yet. But I'll give Shockwave credit. I mean, if nothing else, <laughs> the man has good plans. Maggie, who had the touch to you? Uh, I was kind of torn. I think I'm going to go with the slightly less, maybe slightly less obvious choice. I'm going to give it to Ratbat. Purely because at the end of the issue, he is literally watching Shockwave burn upon re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere. And he's like, turning the vessel around to save you would endanger the plan. And that would be illogical. (laughs) My hands are tied here. (laughs) I I think that's just, he was, he's a prime example of a Decepticon. So I I wanted to give more than meets the eye to rap at. Yeah, that's a, that's a star right there. Plus he's now gotten everything he's ever wanted. And whether that's going to be like a Dr. Horrible kind of situation (laughs) has yet to be seen. Yeah. I'm totally on board with that. That was very Decepticon behavior. It's like, I mean, I could turn this thing around to save you, but I'm not. So, bye. I guess to me, I'm just going to go with the obvious choice. I'll go with um, Spike slash Fort Max because if it weren't for um, decisive action taken on their part in in the middle of this fight, then the Decepticon ship would have gotten completely away to go on to whatever destination it was that they're going to go to. Uh, So, that bravery was able to at least slow them down it didn't stop them but it at least allowed him to prove himself as a capable warrior and worthy autobot so i'll give him that much credit if we talked about the touch and someone had to be out of touch we talked about the character that was the worst in the book and they should be propelled up through space and have a javelin thrown through their shoulder in a segment called less than meets the eye pat who was less than meets the eye to you? I'm going to go with Spike on this one just because what? You know, all the stuff that he did a little bit, just kind of, I don't know. Hey, look at me. I got this trench coat on and look at, you know, it's, I don't know. You know, I, yeah, he's what supposed to be the hero, coats, but Matt? what is it? What do you have against trench coats? This sounds like trench coat biased. <laughs> Somebody will the trench coat take your girl back in the day. Is that it? Come clean. You know, this no, is what we're but they for. did it's show me something. Um, and then I was, you like, know what? No, we're going to move on. Um, John, uh, who was less than me? CI to you. Uh, I got to give it the shockwave. Uh, you know, what with the whole burning up and reentry and presumably dying bit. I'm going to say that's a pretty bad day. And I do like that he was thwarted by um, his blind devotion to logic. It reminded me of the last time he almost died and then showed up 
in the next issue when he was running after Optimus Prime. Just I'm a hundred percent sure of where he wanted that like irrationally flew. His uh his text back card talks about how he can be when confronted with illogical situations, he will stick to logic. That's his weakness. And so he was willing to go outside and fight Fortress Maximus in order to defend his plan, which was failing at the possible cost of his own life. And, you know, that's devotion and all, but that that doesn't get you far when you're burning up on reentry. So Shockwave. Yeah, uh, that Thanos has death and uh, Shockwave has logic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're very consistent to both of those. Maggie, who was less than meets the eye to you? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I guess if I had to pick, <laughs> I, I would go with Shockwave because he, you know, kind of dies at the end of the book. But he was doing real well up until that point. Uh, so I, I feel like there wasn't like a super obvious choice for less than meets the eye in this book. No one really stood out as being like particularly awful or like carrying the idiot ball or anything like that. So if, if I had to go with someone, I would I would pick Shockwave for the reasons that John mentioned before. And I'll round up. I, I wouldn't say worse, but the character that I kind of disliked the most in the book was Cup. I, I understood in a sense how he was being protective, but I wasn't a huge fan of it, uh, particularly because his actions, and he even mentioned it, he's like, you know, this is probably an ambush. So be careful, but then goes right into an ambush. So he wasn't really good at at being like the field leader for his folks in the uh, field. And he almost cost the Autobots stopping the Decepticons effort or at least slowing the Decepticon effort. So I wasn't the hugest fan of Cup on that. We got through the touch. We got through less than ECI. We got through talking about the book, but we have not rated it yet. Let's do that now. One to 10 rating, one being lowest, 10 being the highest. Let's talk about what we would rate Transformers 39. And I don't think I've gone first at all. So I'll go first for this one. Ooh, it's a good, it's, it was a good book. It was a decent amount of action and it keeps advancing this storyline that has a lot of moving parts to it. And they keep letting some cool and interesting things happen in a book. Like in this case, I wasn't expecting to see Shockwave. Uh, plummet towards the earth and it looks like this story that he's not going to be meant for this part of the storyline so we saw a new Decepticon leader and if they are playing a game of who's going to lead the Autobots we have a pretty strong candidate now in Fortress Maximus uh, in addition to Blaster so some interesting things afoot I'm interested in this storyline still I will give it an 8 John we will go with the quote unquote older people of the book as far as Transformers experience and what show me what you got John yeah I'll give it an eight as well for the reasons you said it's I think I gave the last one either a six or a seven this one's felt better than the last one did for me even though I enjoyed it it seems to be definitely building towards something and uh it did it well there the action was great the only Real drawback I'd find is that because there was so much packed into this one that the actual event that is uh, advertised to us on the cover was over so quickly. I wouldn't have minded uh, a few pages long fight between Shockwave and Fortress Maximus because that's, you know, kind of an iconic fight you think about. But it's just he flies out, uh, blasts him, and then he, Spike, you know, radio controls his knee guns and that's it. But other than that, that's a, a minor quibble on mine. I, I did enjoy enjoy this one quite a bit, especially since it's the first time I ever read it. And so it's an eight. 
Good reminder to everyone that it's always good to have knee guns. Pat, Absolutely. what would you rate Transformers 39? I do agree with what both of you are saying. Um, this one was, as John said, it was a lot better than the issue before. I thought it brought more story, more character building, more, again, layering uh, of story layers that, uh, that are happening. So, yeah, I'm, I like it at an eight. We've all been in agreement with the cover so far. We've all been in agreement with the rating, but Maggie might change that all. Again, no pressure, Maggie, but what would you rate Transformers 39? You don't have nope. to say eight. No, I was going <laughs> to. It's actually funny because as soon as you said eight, I was like, yes, justified. Um, yeah, I was going to give it a, a solid eight. It's a good story. Um not, I wasn't a huge fan of like that that whole strip at the bottom where it was like, and so-and-so turns into this person's gun, and so-and-so turns into this person's gun, and you can find them on the shelves at your local toy store. <laughs> but I, I enjoyed the story overall, and the splash page of the big island rocket coming out of the water was pretty spectacular. I really yeah, liked cool. that. So, I yeah, I think an 8 is a very fair rating for this book. 10 for the cover, 8 for the book itself. Lots of hope for storylines coming ahead. So we're at a good place now. Looking forward to it. But we're not quite done with this episode yet. We can and never will leave you without John's segment of the show called Transformer Spotlight, where he discusses a particular Transformer that was featured in today's issue. Take it away, John. We are talking about Cup. Here's what you would find on the back of Cup's box. His allegiance is an Autobot. He is from the subgroup Target Master, at least the iteration in which I am uh, talking about. His function is Warrior. His motto is, the past is the greatest teacher. Cup is an old veteran war horse with a thousand tall tales from his 10,000 adventures. He has a motto or word of advice for any situation, and he's as brave and loyal as they come. Recoil, his nebulan partner, is an old-style musket laser and former all-world Prisma Ball, most popular sport on Nebulous player. In vehicle mode, his maximum speed is 100 miles per hour and has a range of 800 miles. Cup sees himself as a seasoned campaigner with more knowledge and experience to share. Other Autobots aren't always receptive to his advice. His strength is a 9, his intelligence is a 7, his speed is a 6, his endurance is a nine, his rank is eight, his courage is nine, his firepower is six, and his skill is eight. Uh, the Target Master Cup was a 1987 reissue of the 1986 toy, which was released with the Transformers, the movie line. Uh, he was one of the better looking of that era's toys, uh, transforming into either a Cybertronian or far future from the year 2005 truck, depending on your point of view. Uh, this issue, along with the previous Headmasters Mini, is about all we get of Cup in the Budiansky run. He does show up again later in the Furman stories, but lacking his Target Master partner, and he is depicting as way more extreme and edgy. Uh, if you do like Cup, Transformers the Movie and Season 3 of the G1 cartoon is the place for you, as is the IDW Phase 1, where he plays a large part in several stories. Uh, I got Cup for Christmas. One year, I had asked for Rodimus. My brother got Galvatron, but they were out of, Ro of Rodimus, so Sears sent Cup without asking. 
Uh, this tragic event was finally corrected by my wife about three Christmases ago when she got me one of the Rodimus reissues. So thank you, Maggie. And that is Cup, everybody. And I will do my best to forgive you for ever wanting Rodimus Prime at all. Just Samesies. <laughs> and we are now taking a promo break. The Transformers will return after these messages. Welcome to the world of tomorrow! The Legion of Superheroes through the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, the Baxter series, five years later, the reboot, the three-boot, the retro-boot, the animated series. We have banded together as the Legion of Super Bloggers to cover it all. Seek us out at legionofsuperbloggers.blogspot.com. always have to say it that way. Haven't you ever heard of a little thing called showmanship? We now return to the Transformers. Now it's time for Transmissions, where we heap praise upon the audience for listening to us. Thank you so much. We are talking about Transformers Chronicles episode 37, where we discuss Transformers issue 37. And we had social media shares and retweets from Radio Free Muncie, Days of High Adventure Podcast, Coffee and Comics, Aaron Henley, and Admiral Funniest Frontier. If you want to be mentioned here, just a quick reminder, if you give us a retweet or a share on social media, we will be reading your name here. We greatly appreciate all likes that we get just the same. Uh, We just didn't want to read a long list and keep uh, everyone uh, a captive audience at the end, just hearing our random different names. So we just shortened it up just a bit. Uh, Now we have a few comments that we will get to. And Pat, pick a comment, please, sir. All right. I'm going to take the first one from um, friend of the show, longtime listener, Gerard Elbrick. (laughs) And he said, Gerard, yeah, Gerald. Is he related to that Albright guy? Somewhat. I think they're cousins. He's kind of like the pet Uh, of the Jareds. So with that, with that, he says, L-O-X. Liquid oxygen. I thought that was laugh out something with kisses or something, but it's liquid oxygen. And that means, and that means, uh, is a key component in making a rocket fuel, which would explain why it's in space center like Huntsville, Alabama. He says, I learned all of this in the Bond film, You Only Live Twice, where 007 figured out the villain's weren't shipping smoked salmon, but liquid oxygen. Mm -hmm. Jared was responding to my comment on the show where I I had briefly, before I read it, not realized that LOX was a way you could depict liquid oxygen, and I thought it was smoked salmon. Mm. Yeah. Yep, uh, but to be clear, the salmon tastes much better than the gas itself. Maggie, how do you, how uh, would you, you like know? to be you had it, <laughs> When was the last time you tried liquid oxygen? I was in the Air Force. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just going to make that seem like it was an excuse. Uh, like that, that's reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I left it in the realm of like, well, I wasn't in the Air Force. Did, yeah, it makes sense, Stella. It makes sense. Liquid oxygen in the Air Force? Maybe. We don't know. (laughs) It was top secret. Maggie, go for it. All right. So the next one is from Herbert Fung. Well, I can't replicate this without building some kind of rig to suspend dive bomb. So I just have them all combined. I don't have tiny race cars. 
So the actual throttle bots will have to do, and there's some pretty sweet pictures. Replicating the cover. He has a combined predicating in front of all of the yeah. throttle bots there. I am insanely Very jealous. Cool. Oh my oh, goodness. Predicating <laughs> looks so great. Yeah. I, I was going to get King any combiner. Man, he's so cool. Herbert, we are completely jealous of that dude. That is awesome. Thanks for sharing that. John, you want to read one? Uh, let's see. Juan Alvarez, presumably also talking about the cover, says, what am I seeing here? Looks like Decepticons chasing Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and he has a couple of laughy emojis. It does kind of nice. look like it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I see where he's going to come with that, especially with that mm-hmm. run and, and yeah. outfit that Buster had. Yeah, I get that. Um, and I don't know if we've ever heard had a comment from uh, Juan before, so thank you for the comment, Juan. Um, and I also don't think we've had a comment from Jesse Robidas before. He says, I've listened to every episode since the beginning. Thank you for that. And I intend to listen to the rest of them, but you all need to be rating these issues a little harder. Every cover and story gets a rating of around seven through 10 out of 10 of every episode. You're all being too nice in your ratings. Ah, I'll say this much uh, in in reply to that, Jesse. I I mean, I wouldn't be covering this stuff if I didn't like it. (laughs) Uh, But at the same time, what I will say is if there's an issue coming up that I don't have a particular like for then I'll rate it accordingly. But if I do like the story and as an adult, like going through these, I've been actually surprised at how well Bob Budiansky has put these stories together about these toy cars and uh, weaving in the human element. I mean, there's a reason that I've rated the stories like, uh, like we have, but I think we've been pretty honest and stuff as far as our commentary and not just being the, uh, you know, Hasbro sponsored rays of sunshine. Hasbro is not sponsoring us, but yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I do think that we're being honest in uh, what it is that we're saying. Uh, but you know, Pat and John and Mackie speak to that if they like. I call them like I say them, you know. And I mean, Jesse, as as someone who's listened to us since the beginning, I mean, as you recall, at the beginning, especially, there were several of them that I rated pretty low, especially. Uh, I think John's, yeah, definitely called some stuff out with color issues and things like that. A few, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to apologize for um, rating things high. It's just how I do it. I still look forward to that uh, upcoming uh, Nelson Yamtov. (laughs) Jonathan Schaefer Hames super fight, possibly sponsored on Jake Paul's network. Uh, I, I would watch that fight. I would, I would pay good, good money to watch that. But yeah, uh, Jesse, we do appreciate the comment and what and and what we will just continue to say is like we will be honest. Uh, we're not on here to lie. We're not getting paid any money for this. Um, but thank you for your comment. And I'll finish out the last two since they were short comments. Uh, Kenneth Lee, uh, who is also new, thank you, welcome, says shout out to the suburbs. Absolutely, sir. And Dave Witham, also new, welcome, says I still have a few. And he showcased all of his uh, Transformers comic books in an image uh, that is pretty sweet. Oh, my. No, these are more than just Transformers comics. Uh, Looks like. Maybe some Transformers UK in there too, possibly. Yeah, that's a variety of yeah. There's Transformers. It's quite the collection. Comics. Yeah, a couple of UKs in there at least. I think there's some like UKs. There's phase there's probably there. some. Yeah, yeah. I I personally I have some from Dreamwave. I have some from IDW. 
I have uh, the original run one through 80 and they did regeneration one uh, IDW did, uh, which yeah. continued the storyline. Uh, so I essentially have transformers one through a hundred as well. No gen two though. I refuse to pick that up. I He's got a angry. gen two. He's got some gen twos there. I can see. Nice man. Either way, uh, Dave, that is an impressive uh, collection and we are impressed by it. If we happen to miss a few, we apologize. It's certainly a good problem to have, but we absolutely do not want to forget to recognize anyone. Ping us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and we will correct it the next issue. And that's the show. Please come back and join us for the next episode. We are halfway done. It's, it's we're fine, man. Transformers issue 40, where we get to see Optimus Prime again? Hmm. Wonder what that's all about. If you like to hear more from us, the Long Boss Crusade is in a lot of places. Uh, I'll mention YouTube first. Man, please come to us on YouTube. Uh, like, subscribe there. Particularly a subscription would be great. Tell your mom, tell your friends, any additions on YouTube. We would love to have you there. Uh, we do a do it live stream once a month, every second Sunday. Uh, come out to play a new Warriors podcast. And every live, uh, every excuse me, every new content that comes out, on Long Boss Crusade Network can also be found on YouTube as well. So you can listen to it uh, just sitting there chilling at home or driving in a car or wherever it is that you partake in YouTube. We'd love for you to like and subscribe us there. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, as I mentioned, you can find us there. And Patreon, $1 a month gets you into the Crusaders Club. We are almost up to 40. And if we get up to 40, I believe uh, Jared is going to rope me into watching uh, the original Fantastic Four with Roger Corman, which I'm not looking forward to. <laughs> but I absolutely would do it. It's not bad. What's that, Joe? It's actually surprisingly not bad. You know it's, what? It's I... Ever- Everybody, sorry, everybody that always goes to it, oh, no, I'm going to have to watch the original Fantastic Four. They all come away with it going, that would have been good with some with a budget. Well, I mean, I remember the new Fantastic Four, and it had a budget, oh, and it was yeah. not good. Well, yeah, but we won't talk about that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, 40 Patreon subscribers, and Jared and I will be watching a movie and putting that content first. Uh, to our Crusaders Club. So we would love for you to uh, drop a dollar a month and come join us there too. Uh, you can also email us at contact at Longbox Crusade. And there's a voicemail. You can leave voicemail comments on this show or any other show on the network for 707-532-5269. That is 707-532-LBOX. Pat, pick up the phone. <laughs> Pick it up now. John, Maggie, why don't you all tell us about your podcast and where you can be found on the internet? For more Transformers talk, you can check out The Rod Pod. And that's where Maggie and I and uh, occasionally John M. Wilson are covering the IDW Phase 2 Transformers comics in order. We've taken a bit of a hiatus on that, but we should be getting back to it as soon as we can. Um, And all of our other MWC podcasts, they fall under the MWC banner, which stands for Married with Comics, Married Watching Cartoons, whatever else we want to shoehorn that into. You can just find that any place you found this one. Uh, Otherwise, on social media, you can um, find us on Twitter at MWC underscore podcasts or MWC podcasts on Facebook. Uh, Pat, where can you be found? Well, Jonathan, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Delvin? 
Thanks, Pat. I can be found on Twitter at DE underscore RAY1977. See y'all next time. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Till all are one. Till all are one. one. You got the touch. You got the power. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics.